Welcome to Embers and Wind. Are you feeling a calling to serve? What if answering this calling unleashes from deep within you leadership potential? I'm your podcast host, Keith Weedman. Blended three decades experience with knowledge from multiple disciplines to unleash hidden potential in others. In this weekly podcast, my distinguished guests and I will share what fuels us and how we serve. You will feel a gentle wind on the embers of service that glow within you. You will receive kindling for your capabilities and knowledge to build skills. You can utilize this gentle wind to ignite the kindling. You will be guided to do this for people you lead and serve. You can apply what you learn with people you love. Get ready to feel the gentle wind. Welcome to this episode of Embers and Wind. I want to tell you about my special guest today. She is a high-performance coach who empowers her clients to operate at their highest potential at work and life. She has a holistic approach towards high performance with work-like balance at the core of her training because she knows more than ever that work and life are not separate. Over the last seven years, she has developed close to 65 tools and frameworks to help her clients operate at their greatest potential every day. Her clientele includes small business leaders, corporate professionals, and even graduate students. The common thread between all of her clients is a penchant for excellence. She is a mechanical engineer with an MBA in marketing and an MS in business analytics. She worked as a management consultant with a multinational corporation before becoming a full-time entrepreneur in the field of high-performance coaching. She is a triple crown Toastmaster, has served as club president, and is now an area director for Toastmasters. She mentors several Toastmasters in their leadership journey, conducts training, and speaks professionally at public organizations like the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and the Columbus Rotary Club. Please join me in welcoming Deep D. Vijay Kumar to our podcast, and her episode today is the need for personalized, high-performance coaching in today's fast-paced global world. Please join me in welcoming Deep D. Thank you, Keith. Deep D, I know that you know from firsthand experience about this being a fast-paced global world. Please share with our listeners how you know this firsthand. Absolutely. Keith, today, especially because of the pandemic, we know how we can sit in the comfort of our home and be connected to anyone, anywhere. That's how globalized we are. And that's how many things we have at our disposal, just far away because of distance. But with the click of a button, everything is right in front of you on your screen. Everything is in your ears. And because of that, it's in your brain. Our brain is, however, limited. It has fixed capacity. You can see it has a limited size. And it cannot necessarily absorb everything that's thrown at it. But that's our reality today. We have so many things to deal with, but so little time and a limited brain space. And what most of us that I have noticed as a high-performance coach 
are not noticing is that we are distracted with a new thing every minute and we don't even know about it how it drains our energy how it limits our capacity to focus how it diminishes our energies to spend time with family enjoy nature and just relax i think the intersection between the human experience and technology is become so deep that we no longer are able to separate our humanness from our global connectivity and i think that is why many people face burnout and fatigue these days when actually our lives are a lot simpler we don't need to walk on feet we have the best gadgets we can you know sit on airplanes and reach wherever we want to it's still more fatiguing to live in today's time because information is being thrown at us analytics data everything is thrown at us through this one device in our hand and we just don't know how to meter the flow of information to us there's no wall i think i as a high performance coach identify that and build that wall for people you live in columbus indiana today yes. and you work in columbus indiana today you did not grow up in columbus indiana yes i'm from india i'm from a city called pune it's a big city it's a very busy city the population is probably 10 times of that of columbus if i'm correct and it's a very bustling noisy place that i grew up in but it had its own beauty in terms of how diverse it was despite being one tiny city in india like many other cities in india we are a cosmopolitan country by default because each state is different from the other as different as say the us is from mexico every state is that different from each other and we all coexist and we've all moved around so pune city is a cosmopolitan city where i grew up and then i studied there i moved to the us after i got married and moved to this place called columbus which is the complete antithesis of pune it's quiet the population is so scarce it was surprisingly pleasant for me because i didn't know that i could thrive in so much peace the calmness that the environment gave me here allowed me to really sit back take a break from my fast paced life back in india which i also enjoyed because i grew up there i was young and i moved here to start a family so in that sense i would say this was the perfect place to begin my marriage to begin my journey as a mother and then as an entrepreneur because it gave me the silence and the space to create so in that sense this global experience gave me a new lease of life one that was extremely fast paced that kept me going as a student as an a corporate professional and this one that allows me to slow down and to see that the world is fast but i need to slow down to be a high performing individual I think that's what this experience has given me. You also are involved in an unusual way. You are a leader within an Indian culture in within Columbus, Indiana. Tell us about that. We have there are a lot of Indians in Columbus and so we have multiple organizations that come together in the name of the religion that we follow or the festivals that we celebrate. 
So we have the Ganesh Mandal, which is driven around um, the celebration of the festival for Lord Ganesh. And it's a big organization that celebrates this festival once a year, but also brings together funds and people to impact local causes. There is another organization, which is the Indian Association of Columbus, which also has a big body of work behind it in terms of the community work that they do. And I have been a part of these two organizations in my own small way. I don't necessarily have a leadership role, but I do what I can do in those organizations to impact uh, the community in the best way that I can. Tell me more about play a role in Toastmasters. Tell us about that experience. Yes. Now, that is my favorite thing to do in Columbus, Toastmasters. In 2018, Keith, I think that's when even you joined. We both joined the Columbus Toastmasters Club together. I just did that on a whim because I spoke to one of the older members who I happened to meet at a party and I was always interested in public speaking and he directed me to this club. I said, you know, why not check it out? Little did I know that it would permanently change my life for the better. And since then, I've been a part of Toastmasters. I served as president now and the area director for Area 54. Throughout these three, three and a half years, what this club has given to me is a window into the community at Columbus, an immersion of local experience in terms of the kind of members we have. It's such a diverse group. It has Caucasians, it has Indians, it has African-Americans, it even had Chinese at one point, uh, South Americans in the community. And there was no better place for me to really immerse in the local experience like our club did and to be a leader there. And especially because I became president to a group like this, the range of skills that I developed on how to lead different kinds of people was immense. There's no cookie cutter formula to leadership when it's a diverse group. Each person has a different trigger. Each person needs a different stimulant to excel. And I would say that has definitely fueled my expertise as a high performance coach. I never thought it would do, but it did. And uh, it's a very dear part of my life. And as long as I live, I'll be a Toastmaster. And I might add a quite exemplary one. Thank you, Keith. And you are the same, an exemplary Toastmaster, an excellent president this year. Something that people do not know about you yet, mm-hmm. but they're going to learn about you, is you have a penchant for learning. And you've shown that in Toastmasters. But that's not the only place where you have a penchant for learning. Tell us more about your learning. That's a very um, interesting question to me, Keith, because I would say that is something that defines me perfectly. I seek spaces where I know I might fail. I seek spaces where I know I might fall flat on my face. And I've taught myself to be comfortable with not being the best in the room, not being well-versed with the new skill that I'm trying to develop and not attaching my ego to being bad at something. I think that is something that I have cultivated over the years. I have, I'm, I'm not a singer, but I've, sung in front of a thousand people. Wow. 
and it's not because i'm good at singing i'm okay at singing i'm i, I would say i'm above average but i know people who are a lot better at singing than i am but never find the courage to stand up on stage and i would say that's what you need to work on even if you don't have the talent i would say if you work on being comfortable with not being great at what you do that makes you an amazing learner leaving your ego out of the window i think that's what's helped me at toastmasters as well because even when i started as a public speaker i had a lot of restrictions in the way i spoke i was rigid you remember i couldn't move around a lot you know my face was uh, always very i had a poker face almost yes. but i but i was speaking well and uh, and then dance is something that i did badly and surprisingly in when i when i drew from my experience of dance into speaking i started opening up if i was not comfortable being bad or not bad not being great at speaking there was no way that i would learn that i need to be more fluid like i'm at dance to become a better speaker in conclusion when it comes to learning i think get comfortable being terrible at what you do and then you will be on the greatest path of learning now in the states it's uncommon for a woman to be a mechanical engineer i don't know if it's uncommon in india <laughs> i think it's uncommon for women to take up anything that's been hitherto masculine you know i think that's how we can put it because anywhere in the world you know whether it's the us or india the human mind tends to start generating biases about what is meant for who and if there have been only male mechanical engineers for many years the assumption is you know it's something that men do that would be across all fields like mechanical engineering or maybe you know if a woman joins the army or even now when women lead multinational corporations you know it's oh she's a woman leader what what the problem there is i would say is leaving our biases outside the door will help people see individuals as individuals and i want to bring this up because keith you are one of the few people i've noticed who sees people for their skill set and for their value systems very few people i've met are like that i never saw you see gender or race or age and you just directly saw capabilities and i think that is a true representation of what even america originally stands for for competence and merit that is why you and i have become friends kate because you saw that in me and you didn't see that i'm a woman first you saw oh this is this is a girl here who who seems to be on similar wavelength as me and you know we're both trying to do well in life i think if the whole world starts becoming a little more like you kate especially all the men in the world i think women would be happier being mechanical engineers and leaders and high performance coaches now because you've studied mechanical engineering mm -hmm. you understand that most mechanical engineers are very logical and you also know that they're often missing the high performance side how to bring the best out of others tell us about how they might if they're highly skilled in logical about their potential to learn high performance coaching to be a high to be coached by a high performance coach absolutely i think as engineers or anyone in the stem background like you said the brain does develop 
beautifully in order to see things logically, in order to solve technical problems, in order to see things from a very analytical digital point of view, which is very important in order to solve problems in today's world, uh, to have that kind of a structured mind, which engineering does impart. But then what happens is once you're in the real world, say, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a corporate professional trying to go up the leadership ladder, these skills are not enough. You need what you say, fuzzy intelligence, or the ability to extract meaning, sense, and direction from things that cannot be boiled down to equations. Things like influencing people, motivating, inspiring. Those kind of things are things that are all over the place. There's no one formula to do it right. Fortunately or unfortunately, that's what you need to get way ahead in your game in life. Once you step into crucial roles like leadership and entrepreneurship, even in family life, what helps you excel is not your logical brain. What helps you excel is your irrationality that you learn to direct in the right way. And that's where high performance coaches can help logical thinkers because you've already got the logic right. But now let's get a hold on the irrationality of life. That's where all the success lies. And I know on your journey, you went from undergrad mechanical engineering to graduate school, MBA with marketing, and then your MS in business analytics. Tell us more about that and how this connects to what you do today. I would say the the seed of all my high-performance coaching thinking is the seed that was sown in me during my MBA and my master's in business analytics at State University of New York, Buffalo. Because my brain was shocked at what it had to do suddenly. There would be case studies after case studies And you had to extract meaning from words and figure out what the CEO was thinking, what was the problem with the team dynamics, how do you build a product out of scratch, how do you create demand where there was none. These are all illogical things to the logical engineer's brain, because if there's no demand, I won't create the product. But MBA and business analytics taught me that you can create a demand, you can play with the human mind to make it want something or not want something. That was new knowledge. And there were these parts of my brain that fired up that were never fired before for say 22 years of my life. And I realized that life is all about knowing how to train the human mind, yours and others. MBA teaches you how to train other people's minds to want what you want them to want. But then high-performance coaching is personalized in the sense that it helps you trick your brain or train your brain into doing the things it needs to do for you in order for you to get ahead. So I think that's how my MBA opened up my mind. You know, it, it, it helped me come face to face with my own irrationality and knowing how to channelize that to my benefit, you know, to be a Toastmaster leader to help my clients solve their own problems when one of them is a graduate student and another is a small business owner. They have two different sets of problems. How can one mind, a mechanical engineering mind, deal with these clients? It's because 
I have dealt with my own irrationality. I've dealt with my own ability to influence, lead, and inspire. You also have a passion for philosophy. Yes. And I believe <laughs> that that relates to this too. <laughs> Please oh, yes. share about your passion for a lot philosophy and how this influences the work you do. So every time I'm with a client, Keith, let me start there. The first question I ask them is, what do you want from life? Why are you here? Why are we speaking? What is it that matters to you? I think once that question is answered, that's a very philosophical question, by the way. And the answer yes. is also always philosophical. When And then sometimes my clients don't even have answers immediately. They need a few days to give me that answer. Yes. But once that answer arrives from the heart and from the mind, that is the core of what I encourage my clients to live their life on. And I think because I have a philosophical bent of mind, and maybe it's also because I'm from India and it's a very spiritual country and it gets imbibed in you from a very young age, but you don't know it's a part of you. But I'm pretty sure most Indians have this experience where you're so spiritual on many levels and you conduct your life on those bases. I think that would be one of the reasons that I am philosophical. And secondly, I would say being in Columbus, getting the time off, getting the space to think has allowed me to belong and to find my own calling. I think finding myself here helped me become more philosophical. That easily translated into my high performance coaching because all my clients want to perform well in the real world, so to say, the non-philosophical materialistic world. But you cannot thrive there if you don't fix your spirituality or your philosophical sense of life. So we start there. We fix that. We know what we want out of life emotionally and spiritually. And then you extract the actions that help you thrive in the materialistic world. I think that's why philosophy, physics, materials are all actually one. We need to identify each as it is. You brought up religion. Mm -hmm. and spirituality. Mm. And I know you're familiar with Christian philosophy, but you also come from a different background. Tell us more about your understanding of both. Absolutely. I am a Hindu by birth, and I also practice Hinduism by choice. But I also grew up in a Christian school back in India. I had the most, in that sense, I would say, diverse religious experience for the first 12 years of my life. At home, we were practicing Hinduism. And at school, I saw Christianity. I saw the nuns who run the missionary, the, the Christian mission that ran my school. It had a church that I would visit with my friends. Over the years, for some reason, because it was introduced to me as a young child, I didn't see them as two different practices because the way I felt when I entered the church and sat down with my hands folded and the way I felt when I was at home in front of my Hindu gods with my hands folded was the exact same feeling of peace. That's, I think, where I understood that religions are just different ways of reaching the same feeling of peace. And India is a testimony to that, actually. All religions coexist happily and peacefully, and most of us are involved in the celebrations of other religions. 
that that would be my background on my religious understanding but for me personally now the path that i follow is hinduism and i follow the bhagavad gita which is the holy book of the hindus just like the bible for uh, christians and what the bhagavad gita tells me um uh, because it's open to interpretation so i would just say what it tells me is do what you do own what you're doing and if there are problems you fix it yourself nobody comes to do that for you it it talks about karma and owning everything that's in your hands and not waiting for someone to rescue you that is the philosophy that the bhagavad gita leaves me with every time i read any chapter in that book i feel it's universal and i operate on that principle on a day to day basis and in some way or the other i notice that most of the clients i work with are also on their own paths doing the same thing no matter what religion they follow yeah i can see how what you just described fits very well with high performance coaching exactly and and i feel if we don't start separating philosophy and religion with our real life with our materialistic life we would be better off let's start integrating our spirituality and our philosophy with our work and our family life and i think that's where the magic will happen as you look at the future what do you see in your future what's next for you i think high performance coaching is something that is deriving that is something that i am deriving a lot of self satisfaction from it is in in many ways my calling and in the future i see myself doing more of that i i see myself being the right hand of people who have a penchant for excellence those are the kind of people that keith i get naturally drawn to and what my calling is to equip them with all the necessary peripheral skills to be better at what they already do so i think that's more of what i see for myself in the future coaching teaching and training high performing individuals to be even better at what they're doing and public speaking fits in there too correct yes that is that is one of the skills that high performers are always looking for you are interacting with people you have to make an impact you have to own the room and public speaking is a big big skill in order to do that yes that yes. is a part of high performance coaching as you look to the future and you think about somebody listening you are listening right now and you may be interested in learning more from deep tea how would they get in touch with you how could they learn more from you anyone who's interested in um, becoming better at who they are at performing and operating at their peak selves every day if that is you reach out to me on linkedin where you can avail a complimentary first session one hour session where we will do an analysis of what you want from this potential high performance coaching and you will receive a tool for free in that one hour complimentary session for you to use uh, in your life so reach out to me on linkedin uh, you'll find me under the name deepthi vijay kumar and i believe keith will uh, share my email address as well if you want to reach out to me definitely reach out to me let's have a chat let's see if this is for you and if it's not you will walk away with one free tool excellent thank you deepthi and Thank you for listening today. It's been a privilege deeply to have you as my guest today. 
Thank you for being my guest. And thank you for listening to Embers and Wind. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Embers and Wind. If you enjoyed today, please come back next week. Please also share this episode with a friend. If you've not already subscribed to Embers and Wind, rated this podcast, and written a review, please do this now. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at embersandwind.net. Thank you again for joining us.